Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pandola Project, your Monday motivation episode 64. Today's topic, can you build muscle and lose fat? The short answer is yes, it's just not that simple. Today's episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago before this whole coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic really started to impact our lives. If you've been listening to our last few episodes with Chad Belding, those were recasted from Chad's podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody. And as you're listening to this, Matt and I have found a solution to our recording studio problem. So he and I will be back at it again, fresh, in person, and six feet away. Thank you for all of your emails and comments during this time. If you've been paying attention to our Instagram, you're getting great new workout ideas. You can sign up for our newsletter, and you can get access to Matt's workouts that are tailored specifically for working out at home. Find out more by following us, Pendola Project, on Instagram or by emailing pendolaproject at gmail.com. And now, episode 64, Can You Build Muscle and Lose Fat? Timeless question, can you build muscle while you lose fat? And Matt, I can't wait for this one because this is a question that I even myself ask often. And I cannot wait to get your take on it, Matt. But first, uh, sorry I was late today. I had to get my hair cut. It's pretty important to me. You, you're looking good, man. I appreciate that. And can you see I was fishing for comments there? Like, please, somebody just tell me my hair looks good. Oh, no. I, I noticed right away I was immediately more attracted to you. Obviously. That's the point. And I got to give a quick shout out, Alex at Outsiders Hair Studio. If you're in Reno, she's awesome. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty cool, man. It's all slick back, clean. Yeah, well, you've, you know, you've, you're, you're, uh, well, the more important question is, is your girlfriend going to like the new haircut, and is she going to notice? I am sure she'll notice because it's definitely different. Whether or not she'll like it, only time will tell, Matt. But, I mean, she's part of the reason I got it. We're going on a vacation next week where some of her work colleagues are going to be going with us, and I was like, man, I'm looking all shaggy. I got to clean this up. Yeah, girls notice those kind of things a lot more, I think, and I, I can't say that I've always been super observant about those things with my wife. Sometimes it gets me into trouble. Especially when it matters with someone like a wife. You gotta notice those things, Matt. You gotta pay attention. But anyway, enough about me, man. How are you? I'm good. It's been, well, It's a, it's been a good week. I've had mostly positive things going on. There's There's been a couple hiccups. You know, one, I'd say that when you get into a routine, and I talk about this a lot of times, how important it is, I think, to have rituals. Sure. But then, you, you know, the, the mental flexibility that we've talked about, right? And that was just a few episodes ago. Episode 56, a Monday motivation episode on mental flexibility. Can you adapt? Yeah, man. So, yeah, the, the adapting thing. So I, I suppose that I'm just supposed to learn uh, to adapt a little bit better. But I, I've had a couple of hiccups in my week just where I wasn't planning on dealing with a couple of issues with uh, the gym, one of them, and another issue with uh, I had a, a client, not an issue, but this is kind of a long story, but he's in Japan and he's really worried about if he's going to be able to compete or not. Coronavirus? Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, and so they, they've they shut down the schools there, but he's he is on a base there. But, you know, even getting to some of these meets that are really important, he's trained so hard, this kid, I'm so proud of him. 
and he's trying to get into a specific running program in college. And they have very specific requirements. He's got to run a 408 mile. So if you have any clue as to. Ooh, that is cooking. It's cooking. And he's, uh, of course, one of the athletes that Bobby McGee is working with as well. And so there's just been a lot of time and effort that everybody's put in, but especially you feel for him. So we've been on the phone a lot talking about what we can do if he's going to be able to travel to some of these meets. And if he can't, what are we going to do? So, you know, just coming up with a game plan for that. So you, you can't control everything. Sometimes it throws you out of your ritual. I'm not, this wasn't something I had really planned plan for. And of course, we're on the phone a lot more just trying to figure out what we're going to do here and just trying to find some solutions. And of course, I don't really have anything to refer back to. There's never been a situation like this. No, there certainly hasn't. And I mean, I don't want to talk about coronavirus too long because honestly, I'm kind of sick of hearing so much about it. But, you know, Summer Olympics are supposed to be in Tokyo this year. And the way it's looking at the time of this recording, it might be an issue. Yeah. And and of course, you got to thoughts and prayers go out to anybody who's been affected by this. I personally, luckily have not thus far, but I I feel for everyone who's, you know, either affected by it directly or otherwise. And so I, I think that even when you talk about how you're affected by things. And so, yeah, I guess I'm just being challenged with how I can adapt as a coach to something that I can't control. And there's actually the coach who's in Japan that really is a wonderful, wonderful, open-minded coach who uh, allows Nuke in the first place to do these programs that other coaches, myself and Bobby, are writing up for him. And this guy is just rare in that sense, no ego involved and just allows Nuke to do what he needs to do, but also supports him and even has some of Nuke's teammates that help to pace him. These He's right now in what we call VO2 kinetics, and they are tough, tough training sessions. These only go on for about a month. They're that tough, and we've built up to them this entire season has built up just to this. And then before that season, this is all built up to this season. So, you know, this has been his entire high school career is kind of hitting a pinnacle level. And now you're dealing with the coronavirus, something we never, ever could have planned for. So overall, though, I am grateful that Nuke is hitting his splits. I mean, he's doing wonderful there. And I'm grateful for his coach over there. And I'm grateful for a lot of things. And Nuke's healthy, you know, So those things we have to be very grateful for and then just look at the opportunities that we do have. But it's tough when we may not be able to get to the meets where he would have the competition to challenge him to get to those times that he needs to try to hit to be able to run for the college he wants to run for. Obviously feel for, for Nuke and for anyone dealing with that. And, you know, man, Mental flexibility comes in odd ways, and it comes in handy when uh, you least expect it. And I, I just I hope for him and for everyone else who's dealing with it that they can find a way to adapt and, and make the most out of such an awful situation. But Matt, if I may, let's turn this back to the topic, which is can you build muscle while you lose fat? And no joke, this this is not an act at all. This question, I do not know the answer to. And it's something that 
in just my personal training has been an issue for quite a while. And I think it was what kind of led me down the let's try some of these fad diets and, you know, oh, keto, you, you burn fat for all your energy. Maybe I can turn the fat into muscle. And so that's, I think, what led me down that road. And so I'm really, I'm fascinated. Matt, if, in a yes or no answer, can you answer that question? Can you burn fat while you're building muscle? I'm going to give you my final answer after we've talked about what it is that we have to consider. Okay. So I'm not going to give it away that easily, just mainly because there are a lot of strong opinions on both sides of this fence. So I want to explain what it is that I'm thinking about. And then towards the end, I think it would make more sense as to why I think what I think. But we'll talk first, I think about, well, who are we talking about here? Is this a new lifter, for example, versus an experienced lifter? I think that with somebody like yourself even, I would consider you to have an advanced gym age. Yes. So when you say that you have, you're not sure what the answer is, I think in part that may be because at your point in training, it's harder for you to gain new lean muscle tissue. That is true. Right? Versus a newbie. Mm -hmm. So those newbie gains we say. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And there's there's definitely a window of opportunity when you're new to lifting and it's a magical time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's something that uh, I wish I wish that I could appreciate back then what I had as far as the gains go because most of the gains that you're going to get are in those initial years. And the better you can arm yourself with the right information, the better gains you can really make in the beginning, especially. But then it gets to a point where you are starting to level out and reach more of your sort of genetic potential or your your limits genetically, right? So, and everybody has a different ceiling, but I know we've talked before about body types and, and, and what kind of athlete that you are. And so I don't think that we need to train differently, you and I, as far as our reps and our sets go. And we'll talk about that in a second. But what I think it does come down to here, big surprise, surprise is going to be nutrition mm -hmm. and whether or not you're creating a surplus or a deficit and why. So Jake, we'll just take you for an example. Now listeners can't see you. So let's talk about body fat. What would you say is your current body fat composition wise? So I'm 180, just under six foot. And if I had to guess right now, because it's been a while that I've done that test, I would say body fat percentage is probably like 15 to 18. Okay. So this is a good point, And I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm, let me, I'm going let me hear to. It. I'm going to. I am taller than you, mm -hmm. right? So about 6'2" right? A little, maybe a shade under six, two, but mm -hmm. we'll, we'll call me, we'll call me six, one and three quarters. Sure. And I'm also higher in body fat than I was when I was finishing my competitive season for mm -hmm. my trail racing. Right. So I weigh right now, 187 pounds. Okay. And if you remember, I was just under 170 when I competed at North Face. Yeah. That was my lightest. A few okay? months ago. 
And that was my leanest, mm -hmm. right? So I took a little bit of time to just kind of reboot and give myself about the month of December. It was pretty much a washout. I was just kind of rebooting and just working on other things. And so what do you think my body fat is right now? Pretty lean. I would say 12, 10 to 12. Okay. You're so You're nodding your head at me like I'm wrong. <laughs> Let's hear it. So right right now, I would probably say that I am, you know, under 15%, but I don't know that I am at 12%. Okay. And when I was at my leanest, I was at 9%. Okay. Okay. But that's kind of my point in the first place is I, I think a lot of times uh, body fat percentages are off in the first place. So people, why is that important is because people don't think that they have to they have much fat to burn off, mm -hmm. especially if they see somebody who's leaner and they think, oh, what do you have to burn off? They actually have a lot of times uh, they could burn fat for days and days. They have enough body fat on them. Even guys that are, let's say, at 15%, that's very optimal. Mm -hmm. That's that's really respectable, by the way, mm -hmm. to be 15% body fat. So you are what I would say a very healthy man, individual who is, we'll just say you are higher than 15%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I believe that. And I honestly wasn't trying to sell myself. That's what I truly thought. That's what you thought. Yeah. And, and by the way, a lot of people that talk to me say, oh no, no, I got tested. You know? Well, yeah. What kind though? Right. You know, and I, I've never done the water dunk, the, the tank test. I've never done that. I've always just done the, the calipers, the pinchy test, and that's notoriously inaccurate. Honestly, I think it pretty much all is inaccurate. I, I was suspicious of the same thing, Matt. I, I don't have proof, but it just, it's too variable. You know what I think is honestly the most accurate measurement? Hmm. The mirror. Yeah. You, know, you, you can see the results. You, you can see when you're leaner. Yes. And as I'm making my way back to probably the leanest I would get would be maybe around 9%. Okay. I just get maybe a little bit under 10%, okay? And and when I'm at just a little under 10%, I mean, that's when most people think I'm at like 5%, which right. is ridiculous. Right. So to, if you're interested in this part of things at all, you can look up what like say a 5% body fat bodybuilder looks like on stage, okay? 4% is razor, razor sharp body fat, right? Like, and then 3% is like you could die yeah, because you're so low in body scary. fat. Yeah. Okay. So the point is that very few people operate well under 8%, certainly. And so for me, 8% is even getting a little too lean, but that's really lean. Mm -hmm. Most optimal athletes, and when I say optimal, like they're performing at their best, they look good, but more importantly, they feel good right. and they're performing well. Males are going to be between 8 and 12% in general. But of course, there's exceptions to that rule. I mean, if you're a strong man and you're only 12% body fat, you're probably not optimal there. Right. right. And then for most females, the average is actually about 10% higher. So between about... 18 and 22 percent roughly so those are those are just numbers that we can go off of but most of the time if i were to show somebody what a 
healthy, very strong, very athletic, and also very lean female looks like, they think that that female is in the single digits or something, or oh. they're between 8 and 12%. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, if they were, they wouldn't be performing that yeah. way, most likely. Yeah. Now, there's again, there's, there's some athletes that get pretty darn lean. There's some triathletes that I've worked with, female triathletes that are kind of the exception. They can be the exception to that rule where they're a little bit leaner than the average female athlete, let's say. But it's not something that's intentional. It's just that's what works best for them at that body fat level. And how do we know? Because they're operating optimally, right? So the reason why I get so far down that rabbit hole is because I want to make sure that people understand that most likely you have body fat that you can use for stored energy. So creating a deficit is okay. Deficit in your caloric intake, how many calories you're eating. Right. Mm -hmm. But here's where oftentimes I think the misconceptions are or mistakes are made. You want to generally just try to lose about a half to 1% of your body weight per week. Okay. So Jake, in your case, would it be fair to say when you were creating a deficit for yourself, but still lifting, you were mm-hmm. trying to gain muscle, but you were also trying to lose fat. Right. Were you in a 500 calorie deficit or somewhere around there? Probably not 500. No, well, maybe a deficit more of one to 200. Okay. Okay. So how do you know that? Mm, I was counting at the time. You were counting at the yeah, time. Yeah, at, at that time, this was you know probably close to a year ago that I last really focused on it. But yeah, okay. So that's rare, though. You know, it's just that with with most people, they're trying to create too much of a deficit, and so those deficits tend to be an extreme. And when I say extreme, if you're at 500 calories less a day, that's that's a lot, mm-hmm. right? And that'll equal 3,500 calories for a week, which would equal a pound, right? So when we look at that, there's a couple things that can happen, but mainly we probably run out of energy. We start to run low on energy, I should say. So we, we think that we're doing something good, but in general, we're just dropping weight initially because we have those initial results that we see again we lose water weight we dr- we drop weight very quickly in the beginning maybe because of that more extreme deficit that we've created but we really have a few different options we can either burn more calories in our training or we can create more of that deficit in our nutrition or we can do a combination of those things so i obviously think that a combination is better and don't create as much of an extreme deficit and, you know, maybe cut that deficit in half. So you're going to, you're used to taking in, let's say 2,500 calories a day Mm -hmm. and you might create a deficit of, yeah, just a hundred to 200 calories and then just see how that feels. Maybe you cut out a snack initially and just see how that feels. Yeah. Start smaller start smaller. So in other words, though, why does this matter? Because if you go into the gym and you no longer have the energy, you no longer feel good and you don't feel like lifting, you don't feel strong. 
odds are you're not going to put in the same intensity anymore into your lifts, into your training that day. That's going to affect you. And you're essentially, you're going to start to lose muscle because you start to take some of that workload away that you were doing and your body no longer has the same stimulus to recover, respond, repair to a decent training session. Right. So Jake, when you are trying to build muscle, okay, but also lose fat, Mm -hmm. what would the goal be? Would it be to say, go on intermittent fasting as a nutrition approach, would it be to eat five times in a day? What do you think the answer would be there? I'm going to give the answer everybody hates. It depends. It yeah. depends on on what you're doing. And if for me, intermittent fasting, if I have a heavy strength day, maybe it's early in the morning, not a good idea for me. Okay, so if you plan out your week and you have some additional deficits in your nutrition, but again, it's not so extreme, maybe a hundred to 200 calories, just as an example, by the way, and, and you add that up and you say, okay, I'm maybe I've got, make it easy and say that you averaged a thousand calorie deficit with your nutrition over the course of seven days. Okay. Which is, you know, I think that's doable. Okay. Especially if you listen to our podcast on adding fiber. Number 60. Okay, so that's that's just an example of uh, creating that deficit so that you start to lose some fat, right? But then with the muscle gain that you want to have, that's where I think the mistake can be made. Or at least, again, this is my experience and my opinion, and there may be people that really disagree with me. The only thing I would say there is, where's your proof? Okay. Because I have a lot of athletes that have proven this point. And I, it, some people may say there's, there's bro science behind this. And then we might have some other people actually saying, yeah, there's a lot of really good research that backs up what Matt's saying. But in either case, all I know is I've seen this done time and time again, that yes, I'm going to give it away. You're going to be able to build muscle while you're losing fat. But this is where I'm going to potentially contradict myself with things I've said before, because timing, I think, matters. Mm -hmm. But by timing, I don't mean you better eat within 30 minutes of your workout window. I don't mean that. What I mean is that I would say eating four to five meals a day is more important. Okay. And in those four to five meals, I'm going to eat early and often. Okay. I'm going to make sure I'm getting in a good quality protein and kind of build around that. But protein for me now, I like to go with one gram per pound that I would like to weigh. All right. And that's just a good general, I think, accepted viewpoint, especially when you are strength training. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. But what you now, this is again more of let's just say the the bro science side of things. I think that that's where it gets kind of bastardized mm-hmm. because when you are taking in amino acids like branch chain amino acids, sipping on that while you're working out, and I've got to have a protein shake three times a day. Yeah, that's what I don't agree with. You don't need that much. 
protein. Which is why you got to be careful when you say you, you build something around protein. You know, my meathead brain goes, more steak, more eggs. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what I mean by this, though, is that I'm going to give myself a good quality protein. I want to make sure that I am going to have that surrounded with good fibrous carbs, maybe some fruits in the beginning of the day, a little bit more so because I like to have my fruits in the morning and I do feel that I have a little bit more energy when I go to do my training session, which happens to be usually at uh, about two o'clock. Okay. So again, it's, that's what I mean by timing. I get Early and often I eat and I plan out my meals so that I get in four to five meals throughout the day built around protein, but still getting in my fruits and my vegetables, of course, and some starchy carbs. And my three main meals are going to have those things in it. I may have a snack or two between meals. Again, those are going to be more based off of what I'm doing that day, but it's probably going to be more based around protein intake and still getting in enough carbohydrates and enough fat. So it's, and we're not going to just vilify any of the macronutrients. So you see what I'm saying here, Jake, is that you want to make sure you're getting enough quality protein. It doesn't have to be some crazy uh, amount of protein. I don't need 60 grams in a sitting. (laughs) I just, but I want to get it in kind of consistently because, so this is where I agree with a lot of the bro science over the years in the sense that I think that you need enough protein to help to build that foundation. You need the material for that foundation. And that's where adequate amount of protein kicks in. But that being said, that doesn't mean that you need 50, 60% of your nutrition as protein, right? We don't need all that. Well, just go back to the store and return that tub. Right. (laughs) So, you know, just an adequate amount, which for most of my athletes, it's going to be somewhere between, I'd say, 15 and 25%, maybe 30% for some of them. It just, it depends, again, on on who they are and what their goals are. But the, the point is that they are going to get in enough protein to build their foundation with adequate carbohydrates and fats so that we're getting in all the team players. So that's what I would do, Jake, in order to help to gain muscle. And by the way, I have to say, a lot of people listening, they may be thinking about muscle gain as just hypertrophy versus gaining strength. If you're trying to gain strength or hypertrophy, you have to pretty much follow the same rules. And that's where just the training obviously will change some of that result. If you're doing a lot of higher repetitions, bodybuilders will create more hypertrophy by staying, let's say, within a six to 12 rep range. Right. Whereas if you're just focused more on strength and that tensile strength, those gains that are going to be sometimes more relative to athleticism, then those repetitions can be much lower for especially your main compound sets. But uh, that's where the training kind of creates a little bit more of the result, but the nutrition that we're talking about will support that. Now, you've heard me talk about intermittent fasting before Mm -hmm. and where I won't eat until noon or two o'clock or sometimes even six o'clock. 
the only thing that really is doing for me is it's creating a deficit. Yeah, I, I do it similarly for similar reasons. And it makes it easier to create that deficit. So this is where we have to get rid of our either or mentality in, in some cases like this. For example, if I tell somebody that I follow intermittent fasting, they tend to think that that's all I do or all I'll ever do. Which I know isn't the case, Matt, because you're dynamic and things change and you know your priorities may change even on a weekly basis. So for now, you know, you're not in so much of a deficit, I don't think, but what's an average week looking like for you now? Yeah, good question, Jake. So right now my focus is to get as functionally strong as I can. So let's first of all, define function, I think. It's got to be relative to your goals. So we've kind of joked around about this before, but if if you are training to have big biceps, you're a bodybuilder and you're doing preacher curls, that is functional. Mm-hmm. That's functional strength for you and your goals. It should be relative. So for me, yes, I want to add on some lean tissue. And realistically, I'm going to gain about a half a pound a month at my gym age. And that's that's about it. And I shouldn't expect to gain much more than that because I've been doing this a long time. But when I go out for runs right now, and my frequency is six times a week now that I run, but my main focus is in the gym. So that means I want to hit my main strength training first on Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Okay. Those days, strength comes first. But the the point there, Jake, is that I keep remaining that focus on strength right now because I know that'll just improve my relative strength to support my gait when I'm trying to really emphasize my running economy in races and in competition later. Now, I also have a Spartan goal of going to at least go to North America this year, compete there. And, you know, I'll give it my my best try to compete and qualify for worlds. So, you know, my strength goals there are pretty specific, especially when it comes to things like strength, endurance, power economy is super important. Things like grip can be important. So we've talked about how we can train that way and be able to maintain with proper nutrition. But then as I switch over to a little bit more conditioning, in other words, I'm going to get out there and do some hour-long to even two-hour-long tempo type of work. But then as I switch over, Jake, to more of a conditioning emphasis, now again, that doesn't mean that I drop the strength training. It just means the conditioning is now more of the emphasis in my training. I'm going to make sure that those are done first, and then my strength training will follow, and I will be able to still get in a good strength training session, especially if I give myself maybe say four hours and eat in between and recover a little bit more and have some energy to give to that strength training that day. But really my main 
efforts when it comes to building strength have to be now. So planning out my season, planning out my year, it's important that I know what my purpose is now in the gym. Okay, Matt. So if we were to take the example of someone like me, who's trying to lose body fat while gaining lean muscle, where would you recommend my training priorities be? Because my experience has usually been, it it fluctuates between too much of a deficit and I'm losing strength. And so I, I kind of overcorrect and now I will maybe increase my, my priority of strength training. Thus I'm a little bit hungrier. And so my deficit slowly decreases until it reaches its zero deficit. Oh no, all of a sudden it's a little bit of a surplus again. Yeah. So Jake, this is a good question. I think a lot of people feel this way to where they're bodies are starting to reject the training. They're feeling fatigued. They no longer feel excited about going in there and into the gym, I mean, right? And and also their rituals that were working for a while, they stop working in part because, uh, again, I think that we have some misconceptions we need to talk about with why we're doing what we're doing. First thing in the morning, how many people do you know, including maybe yourself, I don't know, you tell me, doing high-intensity interval training because you're trying to lose fat, but then you also are trying to gain muscle, so you've done this ridiculous kind of very high intensity work. You're completely drained and exhausted thinking how you're going to magically just target fat loss that way. And then you've got to now try to increase your repetitions or the amount of workload you're doing in lifting iron. And it oftentimes runs into this type of a situation with a lot of people. Have you experienced that? I'm raising my hand because I have gone exactly through that scenario. Yeah, so th- so this is a good example of why are we showing up to the gym with an empty stomach and doing HIT training? Because we are told that that works because a lot of times we are influenced with other people that say it works, but there's a lot of variables there, a lot of factors. One, though, is that I don't feel like that could possibly work long-term. And two, I think that high-intensity interval training done too often can really burn anyone out. And I've, as mentioned before, even my my best athletes may be doing one of those type of sessions in a 10-day period. Okay. But it's really high-intensity interval training is a mistake, in my opinion, for most people to focus on that. I think that steady state stamina is much, much better and more effective, and you're going to burn more calories, okay? But really, if you are doing a good, solid, steady state stamina type of cardio session, it doesn't completely wipe you out and drain you and make you feel completely exhausted, and then you still have the energy to be able to create some decent tension in your training for the iron, for the, for the lifts that you're going to do. And also it's just, what are you going to focus on first? So if, if you have a day where you're going to focus more on your strength training, that should be first course warm up, but then those should be sort of front loaded, those compound movements for strength, and then hit your steady state stamina afterwards. Okay. And, and most people don't have the time, like separate these. And so you can do it in a day, but just 
how are you going to split these things up, right? So I wouldn't do steady state stamina first and then try to lift weights. You're probably going to lose some strength there or some energy to actually incorporate the tension for that training. I can attest to that. That was very taxing to pull that kind of a schedule off. I was doing the whole 5 a.m. hit class thing for a while, and then at noonish, I'd go and you know try and hit the strength, and wasn't really working. Yeah, and so ironically, if you restrict your calories too much, trying to create a deficit, then you just sort of start running out of energy and, of course, feeling just like fatigued all the time, feeling like you don't have a lot of energy, you're going to start probably skipping your sessions. Or if you do go, you're probably not putting a lot of intensity into your training anymore. You're losing some focus. You're on your cell phone a little bit more often. Yeah. You're taking a little bit longer in between your sets than you need to be. It's, it's not great or it wasn't for me. So the last thing I'll say on this before we wrap this up is the strength training, much like doing high intensity interval training, I think is really misunderstood. And most only like elite athletes really should or could be doing uh, high intensity interval training and getting good effect out of it. Then there's also the other end of it with strength training where people think that they are doing they're doing work to get stronger or to grow muscle, right? So because either you are trying to create more strength or you're trying to create more hypertrophy, but you're trying to have some kind of cause and effect to the muscle, right? right? And that's the magic of it or the beauty of it. And yet what you're really doing is just more cardio a lot of times. So in other words, if you are doing, let's say, a set every 10 to 20 seconds, that's way too fast. Yeah, that's pretty rapid. That's right. In that case, Jake, you're not, you don't have enough time under tension. And so 40 seconds or uh, more, right? And so generally 40 to 60 seconds, I think, is a good general rule of thumb for time under tension. And that's going to be really effective for gaining some lean muscle, okay? Now, gaining strength, sure, you could be doing, say, three to five reps, and that's going to be well under 40 seconds. It that's, should be. Yeah, it should yeah. be, right. And that's different. That's that's a different goal. But again, that's not necessarily going to get you any bigger. So if you're trying to create some hypertrophy and to add some additional muscle mass or some lean tissue then that's going to be a little bit higher in the rep range. So again, six to 12 reps in general, and and depending on the movement, it can be more. So, so yeah, Jake, say you're doing, this is especially now with your more compound movements. So you're going to squat for six to 12 reps, and you want to make sure that you're getting the most you can to gain some lean mass out of this or to create some hypertrophy. If you go right into your next set, it just becomes kind of like cardio again, and you're not giving yourself a lot of rest. Now, you can opt to make more use out of your time by, say, doing a push and then a pull, something like that. But at the very least, I think some active rest is going to serve you and give you some good time to be able to refocus your attention and your intensity onto the next set. And so you probably want to have a good uh, few minutes of recovery, active recovery there, and then do another set. 
Now, if you look at those main compound lifts to be supported with like say an auxiliary lift afterwards, so you've done your squat sets and now you're gonna go into, let's say some hip thrusters to finish off and burn out and even go to failure. And you can go to higher repetitions, but I don't get too stuck on reps. I, I try to work more with time. And in fact, today on our final set with my clients, I told them, okay, I'm giving you two minutes to get to failure. And I'll pick a movement that I know is safe for them. They can, even at failure, they can maintain good mechanics, right? So that's, uh, that's a movement like a squat is going to be a higher skill set and you're more likely to be in trouble if you hit failure with something like a squat with some decent weight, but with a, uh, hip extension type of movement, like let's say just, you know, body weight froggers or something, you can squeeze as hard as you can and really make really good tension and get to that failure, but safely. And that's where time under tension is more important to me than repetitions. So I've kind of gotten away from counting reps as much as I do pay attention to what kind of intensity, what kind of tension can I bring to the movement patterns? And I even look more at reps and reserve. So, so do you, did you have two to three reps in reserve in your compound movement versus say, just going to failure in an auxiliary movement where you can do that safely, effectively, but you say, okay, now I had no reps in reserve. My RP was as close to a 10 as I could get it. And that's going to create more of a stimulus for your body to be able to recover, respond, repair. And that work plus rest equals success scenario is what we talk about here a lot. In that scenario, Jake, you're creating the cause and effect or the adaptation you need. And I think too many times when people are talking to me about how they weren't able to gain muscle is because they're in too much of a caloric deficit or because they're just strength training wrong. Their, their idea of strength training is really just cardio with some light weights and there's not enough effect there. They're not able to bring enough attention to creating a demand for a change by their body. Because remember, your body's going to respond to its environment. And if you create the demand, it will change, but you have to create the demand. And initially, again, that's where the newbie gains. Somebody is, they don't even have to necessarily be doing things right. They're not used to doing all of this in the first place. So it's all a stimulus at first. And that's where they're like, oh man, he's losing fat and he's definitely gaining muscle. I mean, we've seen that time and time again with athletes, but with our gym age athletes that are experienced and have a lot of time in, under their belts, it's definitely still happening. It's just that it's harder to create that change and it's definitely doable, but you really have to focus on how you're doing it and know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's where you get that dreaded plateau because your body is no longer shocked by that new stimulus. But all right, man, I got a lot out of that and I, I think I have a, a new idea for a plan. I'm going to have to play with it a little bit, but my main takeaways from, from this is 
create slight caloric deficit. So I'm going to look to maybe 100 caloric deficit to start. And obviously that means I have to reestablish my set point. So I got to count my calories again, which does not excite me at all, but I'll do it. And then focus on my strength training properly. And I think that is doable and reasonable. And I'll, I'll let you know how that goes because that's been a, a question mine for a long time. So thank you. Yeah, man. And I hope you listening gained something from that too. And if you're coming along with me on this journey, let us know. PendolaProject at gmail.com and on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>